You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today for episode 161. We are made for relationships. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe to the show by going to my website, johnsertalic.com. I'm a big fan of Ken Burns and the documentaries he produces. His most recent one, which aired on PBS, was about the life of Benjamin Franklin. This founding father of the United States is remembered for a number of things. He helped write the Declaration of Independence and is credited with inventing the Franklin stove, bifocal eyeglasses, and the rocking chair. Hmm, I didn't know that. He invented the rocking chair. When I saw the Ken Burns documentary recently, it reminded me of an episode I did several years ago episode 32, that among other things talked about what Ben Franklin did to deal with the loneliness he was experiencing in his 20s. It fascinated me because loneliness is certainly a relationship concern here in the 21st century. Franklin's solution to his loneliness was part of a larger discussion in that episode about what our purpose is here on earth. What are we made for? I suggested, and still believe strongly, that we are made for relationships. Because this is such an important topic, I thought it would be helpful to rewind parts of that earlier episode for today's show. We'll start by looking at the biblical basis for the importance of relationships. In the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, we learn that all of mankind is made in the image of God. We also learn that God is a relational God, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the Trinity interacting with each other. So since we are created in the image of God, and since God is relational, we are to be relational as well. As people of faith, we are to reflect God's image in all our relationships. We were made for this. In living as an image-bearer of God, we can make a contribution and difference in the world through our relationships. We were made for this. It gives glory to God as we imitate this relational quality of His, especially when we do it well. We were made for this. You know, when Jesus was asked by the religious leaders of the day, what is the greatest commandment, what was the most important thing anyone can do in their life, He responded with the following. Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you naturally love yourself. He said everything we do in life is summed up in these two commandments. This is what we were made for. We were made for relationships. If, if you've been around here for a while and have wondered about our podcast name, You Were Made For This, 
I hope by now you realize that relationships are the this that we are made for. We are all made for relationships. This podcast is designed to equip people to make their relationships the best they can possibly be. The 31 episodes from Season 1 were created to give people tools and ways of thinking they can use to enhance their relationships. Because on so many levels, it's our relationships that give our life meaning and purpose. Season 2 will be no different. So for today, let's consider relationships in terms of the this that you were made for. We'll use THIS, this, as an acronym to describe four important qualities that will transform our relationships into the best they can be. I'll be making some comments and observations about each one of them. The first quality, the T quality, is transcendence. To be transcendent in our relationships means to exceed our natural inclination as a human being to be self-centered, where our inherent goal is to do whatever we have to do to meet our needs and desires. To be transcendent in our relationships is to move past our focus on self, to focus on others instead. It's to go beyond what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 12, too, that is, conforming to the pattern of this world. A transcendent relationship goes beyond the pattern of this world. Another aspect of transcendence is when we see ourselves as a relational being, it acknowledges our need for something outside of ourselves. It's to admit vulnerability, which can be scary for some. It's to admit we have needs we cannot meet ourselves. Another aspect of transcendence in maintaining good relationships is to see our relational life as a means of worship for any person of faith. Romans 12 tells us that we are to present our entire personhood to God as an act of worship, and this includes our relationships. Three relationships are discussed in the 17 verses of Romans 12. There's our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with other people. In some future episode of You Were Made for This, we'll be talking about this passage, this whole chapter, in a lot more detail. It's, it's rather fascinating. It's one of the most uh, relational passages in all of Scripture. Another aspect of the transcendent nature that we can have in our relationships is that we can influence the world and make it a better place through our relationships. People are watching. We model for them what good relationships look like and the rewards that come with relating well. My final comment about the transcendent nature of good relationships is that it's really important that we transcend our expectation that we can change other people. We cannot change others, but we can change ourselves. Don't expect any transformation by simply waiting for people to come to us, waiting for people to change. Transformations in our relationships only occur when we change. So there we have it for the letter T, the this that we are made for, transcendent relationships. Let's move on to the letter H, which stands for honor. 
I mentioned just a minute ago that one of the most relational chapters in all of Scripture is found in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. In chapter 12, we come to verse 10, where Paul says, Take delight in honoring others. Imagine that. Take delight. Honoring someone in our relationships has several components to it. For one thing, we honor someone when we listen to them, which is sorely lacking in today's culture. Something I have a great deal of passion for, the whole subject of listening. And in future podcasts, we are going to be talking about this uh, component of good relationships uh, in a fair amount of depth, listening. But there are other components to honoring people. We honor people when we try to bring out the best in them. For when we bring out the best in others, we really bring out the best in ourselves. It's just one way we can experience joyful, life-giving relationships. Moreover, we honor our relationship with another person when we humbly acknowledge our weaknesses and relational skills and work to hone those skills for the sake of the relationship. I remember in uh, season one, we had a four-part series on various relationship skills. And finally, we honor the difficult relationships in our lives when we allow people to experience the consequences of their choices, even when we see how those choices are so harmful to the person making them. This comes up frequently with adult children who are caring for elderly parents, where the elderly parent is just irascible and hard to get along with and is just making very poor relational choices. And, you know, when we we care deeply about our parents and we want the best for them, but when we see them making really dumb mistakes, it's it's just hard to let them go. And the question comes up how, you know, we're supposed to honor our parents as children and even as adults we're to honor our aging parents. Well, what does it mean to honor an aging adult parent? And I think part of it is really to honor the decisions that they have made, even though they are not decisions that we certainly would make for ourselves. Well, that's a subject for another day, which we will probably get into at some point. So we've covered H in the word this, the acronym for the this that we were made for, relationships. Let's move on to the letter I. Relationships, by and large, are transformed when we take action, when we take initiative, rather than waiting for someone to initiate with us. You know, we were made to take the initiative in our relationships, regardless of how other parties in that relationship may or may not respond. This past summer, I read a really interesting book by Cal Newport. It's his latest book, Digital Minimalism. He tells an interesting story about taking initiative in relationships. You'll find a link to the book at the end of the show notes. In his book, Newport describes how apparently relationships were important to one of the founding fathers of the United States, Benjamin Franklin. In 1727, Franklin returned from London to live in his newly adopted home of Philadelphia. Franklin was from Boston, and he had no social connections in the city of brotherly love. 
He was only 21 at the time, and he soon discovered he wasn't feeling the love in Philadelphia. But rather than waiting for relationships to come to him, he created his own network of relationships that he called the Junto Social Club. It had 12 members from various walks of life who met every Friday evening for 38 years to discuss the social issues of the day. I just love how he took the initiative. What if all the lonely people in the world were to do that? What if we were all to take the initiative to form a social network where none exists? I love this example of taking initiative. But you know, there are elements in our culture that run counter to the notion of taking initiative in relationships. One of them is the online world of digital technology. In the book I mentioned before, Digital Minimalism, Cal Newport quotes MIT professor Shirley Tuckle, who makes the distinction between connection, which is online interactions, and conversations, which he determines as real-world encounters between human beings. Here's what she says, and I'm quoting from uh, Cal Newport. Face-to-face conversation is the most human and humanizing thing we do. Fully present to one another, we learn to listen. It's where we develop the capacity for empathy. It's where we experience the joy of being heard, of being understood. Isn't that rich? Newport and Turkle argue that it is only analog interactions that move the needle in relationship development. Digital interactions miss the nuances of face-to-face interactions or voice-to-voice communication. Absent are the tone of voice and facial expressions. Conversation is what counts, but it takes initiative to have an in-person, face-to-face conversation rather than an online digital connection. Finally, we come to the last letter of the this that you were made for, the letter S, which stands for selfless service. I want to refer back to the uh, Junto Society, our social club that Benjamin Franklin formed when he was 21 years old in his newly adopted city of Philadelphia. Uh, as I mentioned, they would meet uh, every Friday night, and, and Franklin structured their meetings around 24 questions, which is rather fascinating to me. And I'm just going to read you three of them, um, because I think they illustrate this, this, uh, this uh, quality of self-service, the self-service quality that can transcend our relationships, that can transform them into the best they can be. Here's question 13 that Franklin would pose to the group. Do you know of any deserving young beginner lately set up whom it lies in the power of the junto in any way to encourage? You know, it's written in 18th century English, so it's a little bit hard to to follow. I'll read it again. Do you know of any deserving young beginner lately set up whom it lies in the power of the junto any way to encourage. You know, these were all business people, and they were looking for business people, new business people, that were just getting started. And the objective here was to encourage someone. Question 14. Is there any man whose friendship you want and which the junto uh, or any of them can procure for you? 
So here Franklin is thinking about serving not himself, but other members of this society. You know, it had another name, too. It was called the um, the uh, Leather Apron Society, which I think is a cool name, too. And then finally, question number 21 that I want to read is, uh, he will pose to the group, have you any weighty affair in hand in which you think the advice of the junto may be of service? In other words, Hey guys, uh, is there anything that you'd like to talk about? Any issue that that's really weighing on your mind that uh, would help you if we were to talk about it? Uh, that is an act of selfless service. What is Franklin getting out of it? Probably nothing, but he is getting human interaction. He is getting quality relationships. And actually this group that he formed uh, re- accomplished some remarkable things. The um, they established a library in Philadelphia and one of the first volunteer fire departments as well. But it's all about selfless service, the letter S. Imagine what our life would be like a year from now if we implemented these four this principles, transcendence, honor, initiative, and selfless service. Imagine the fulfillment you would find in your transformed relationships. Also imagine if we did nothing. There's an old saying that uh, you've probably heard. It's an old salesman um, adage. It says, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. That is so true, not just in sales, but in relationships. But if we were to adapt all of these four relationship qualities that I mentioned, I'm convinced we would find our relationships to be more life-giving and fulfilling. Before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. You were made for this, T-H-I-S. Relationships that, T, transcend our natural inclination to focus on self, that H, honor others as we strive to bring out the best in people, where we, I, initiate by reaching out beyond ourselves, and where we, S, selflessly serve other people. Well, here's an action you can take in response to today's show. You know, I hope by now that you appreciate the importance of relationships. And if that's the case for you, Shouldn't we then make every effort to make them the best they can be? I suggest starting with looking at the transcendent quality of just one of your relationships. How can you relate more in a way that bears the image of God well? What are some ways you can relate that give people a picture of a part of the character of God? You know, you can do this. I know you can because you were made for this. In closing, I hope you're convinced by now that we are made for relationships. The this model, T-H-I-S, that we talked about several years ago in episode 32, is still true today. It's a useful tool for helping us find more joy in our relationships as we reflect the character of God. Well, that's it for today. Please consider telling others about this podcast if you think it would be interesting and helpful to them. And don't forget to create a little joy for the people you meet this week. Spread around some relational sunshine 
and I'll see you again next time. Goodbye for now.